Rabbi Meetlea Sarna and Rabbi David Wolkenfeld. Shalom and welcome to the Straw Hat. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox community in the beautiful Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. This week's episode contains a discussion about our return to Minion. Very exciting. Um, it's different. It's in the parking lot. Socially distanced. Everyone's wearing masks, but we'll be talking about it. Um, and then we'll also say a little bit about motherhood and welcoming a child into the world in the time of COVID. Um, and yeah, it's so exciting to be back here with you all. And I hope you enjoy the episode. So welcome back to the Straw Hat. And welcome Thanks. back to <laughs> and welcome back to uh, to Anshay Shalom. Uh, not only uh, is your maternity leave officially over, but uh, you also were at the shul or adjacent to the shul for tefillah for the first time in many months. So, so welcome. And, and how was that? Um, it was great. I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast like many times before that tefillah b'tzibor has been part of my daily practice, you know, since I was whatever, since like people in my class at Maimonides became B'nai Mitzvah such that we could have a minion. So like sometime in middle school um, and not going to minion for such a long time was really weird and tough and not good for my neshama. Um, and uh, so I actually went to the first time that we had tefillah at ASBI, um, even while my maternity leave was still going strong. So <laughs> it was great. Uh, and, and I mean, listen, like it's still super weird davening in a parking lot. That actually didn't bother me at all. Like, I don't know, at camp, we often davened outside or like pick up minyanim or often in weird places. Like that wasn't the part that felt weird. Social distancing and masks were like much weirder. Normally, like when you're davening together with a bunch of people, you want to like I don't know. I love like being in tight spaces and like you hear everyone like, you know, making noise around you. And that for me was like, you know, something I missed about this. But I don't know. Like, it, it's okay. It's still better. The far apart you were, you were even farther in your living room, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not, you know, like it's still many, many steps in the right direction. Um, and also it was just so good to like see show people in the flesh. Like we've kind of gotten, you know, like uh, we've gotten little bits of people here and there. I thank God people, you know, people have been dropping off food for us, which is so nice and so massively appreciated. Um, and so we've kind of seen some people that way or passed them on walks or whatever, but, but to kind of gather to do a show thing in person, like that hasn't happened since Barim, which was such a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a very, very long time ago, and uh, it's it, it's a, it's nice that it's uh, returned to our community and and to many other communities. And uh, please, God, we'll figure a way to keep this going in a in a way that's safe and responsible. Um, right, and, like that's exactly what it is. Like that's the crazy thing is you don't think about davening as like a high risk activity, but like it it is right. Like that that's what's crazy about it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really when you read the lists of dangerous things in the time of COVID, uh, you know the type of tefillah that we took for granted, and didn't take for granted that we celebrated and appreciated for, you know, years and years in our shul and for centuries in other shuls, is really one of the most like combination of some of the most dangerous uh, things that that there is, and uh, uh, yeah, it's like a whole different evaluation. I was also thinking as you were talking about distancing, uh, 
one of my teachers, I, I don't want to quote him because I, I, I might be misremembering, but I think said something to the effect of the, the way of creating a, like a, an environment of spirituality is by bringing people closer together, right? Like singing and, and you know, coordinated breathing when everyone sings together and just like close together and like packed in a tight space. Like think of some of the really intense, um, I think of like a, a Tish or, or a, you know, or even just like a, a very vibrant Shabbat tefillah experience where like there's a lot of people sitting close together and um, we're, we're now like just spreading people out and spacing them apart and we're discouraging singing and just all, all, all um, in the effort to keep us alive and, and, and prevent viral spread. But it's really, um, it, it's like really counter to everything we thought we knew about what, you know, we ought to be trying and striving for in a, in a short context. Yeah. And also it's like awkward. <laughs> like that's another piece of it. Like talking to someone one-on-one when they're, you know, six to 10 feet away from you is awkward. And and then in a group where everyone's standing in like a massive, you know, space is that, uh, I don't know, like the, the pre and post fila banter is also, you know, like really awkward. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, I guess we're, we're officially discouraging pre and post Tula banter, so so that's you know, that awkwardness. So get people come and, and do and dive in and then try to make the most of it and and have it be a meaningful experience, but then be, be on your merry way. There's some interesting halachic um, sort of discussions that have been developed really across the world as as congregations and communities have responded to COVID. In in I guess every stage of this pandemic has had like you know libraries of uh, halachic you know analysis and and shuvot written but but this stage of reconvening minyan under social distancing uh, environments has also uh, led to a number of different interesting halachic discussions um uh, among them there, there seems to be a a medical prioritization of limiting the duration of tefillah we want to limit the exposure we have like the longer you are together with other people especially indoors in an enclosed space but i think outdoors as well the longer you're sort of standing with the same people, the greater risk that you'll catch something or spread something uh, amongst them. And so uh, we're trying to keep tefillah short. So so one um, suggestion that, that we're going to implement uh, in our shachrit minyanim when they reconvene is to have shachrit, weekday shachrit begin at Yishtabach and Shabbat shachrit begin at Nishmat and have psuka, you know, brachot and psukot azimra be recited entirely uh, at home or on your way to shul or in shul quietly, but 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 not not as part of the communal tefillah. And that's a way again to sort of add efficiency that this is not something that's led by a chazan, even though typically it would be, uh, I guess a pace would be set by a chazan. Uh, this is, some, but it's not core to the tefillah of the And so we're, we, you know, it's, it's, it's eliminated. We're trying to, you know, it's not eliminated. It's, 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 um, it's transferred to the responsibility of the individuals to say. Yeah. I mean, and, and, um, you know, what's funny is, like, we are meeting for Kabbalah Shabbat, <laughs> even though we're not saying Psukit is, like, there's, you know, there's a little bit of, like, inconsistency there of, like, that reflects on our sense of, like, what what is, like, essential to this gathering that we're doing right now. You know, I guess, I guess if we're there for Mincha anyway, so the added, you know, Pew team of, uh, or uh, Tehillim of Kabbalah Shabbat is probably, maybe that doesn't add quite as time in the same way as, a sort of slow, schleppy gathering on Shabbat morning as people drift in and Suki Zimmer begins and goes on, you know, let's just say it on your own, say it before you come and, and let's, you know, we'll, we'll gather at, you know, when it's time for business to begin. So, you know, I think the, the Rambam, I believe, uh, you know, explicitly says this is when the Chazan should begin uh, leading prayers is at the end of Suki Zimmer. So this is not, uh, this is not unprecedented, but it is, you know, I guess, uh, 
you know, new, new for us. Um, yeah, and then the other yeah. thing we've been doing is is saying a Hecha Kedusha at Mencha on weekdays, which is, um, you know, which like a lot of, like a, when I was growing up, like we always said Hecha Kedusha and yeshivas, you always, or many yeshivas always say Hecha Kedusha um, with the sense of like, the trade-off between a flow chazer hadashat and more learning Torah, you should learn more Torah and skimp on your chazer hadashat. But I don't know. There's a, there's a little bit of loss in, in in like not never you know like never saying modim derabanan or something like that or like fewer amens. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely a loss, and and it's not what our common it's not what our common practice had been. But that again, it seems really universally the the guidance from Israel from from across North America is like shortened filah. So. And this is a way to do that. The other, the other thing is we're, we're sort of limiting opportunities for people to or typically be near each other. Um, Kriya Satara, as the Torah is read, you have a huddle. Normally you would have a whole bunch of guys huddled around the, the, the Shulchan, the Balkare, the Ola, the Gaba, the Gabai Shade, right? This is actually one of the things you taught uh, the teens, right? You know, the. the like, who, 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 what do they all do? Yeah. Who's then first, right? Yeah, like the. Exactly. the um, you know the staging of of, of Torah reading. Um, it was it was it was a, a trivia question for Torah. <laughs> uh, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, I, so, did, I taught it when, during a Tefillah boot camp. Also, yes, that's right. That. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, right. Who who are those guys, and what are they all doing? So so now we sort of eliminate all of them except for the Balkari. So the Balkari is going to take the Torah out of the Ark by himself. So no, no so, so, you know, eliminate the two men who do Pticha. The Balkari takes the Torah by himself, carries it to the reading table, opens it. He'll take all the Aliyot that he reads. So it's one Balkari, then he'll take all seven. If there are, I think this Shabbat, we have, uh, I think three or four men are, are reading the double portion, but they'll each take the Aliyot that they are reading. So there's no need for an Ole to stand next to the Balkari. Uh, we eliminate the Maftir um, Aliyah because the... Um, the, the seventh aliyah, the Balkari will get the aliyah for the seventh aliyah, so there's no need for a separate maftir. All right, the, the maftir aliyah, it's usually the last three verses or so of the seventh aliyah, and it's a way that the the, the individual who reads the Haftar, he should also have gotten an aliyah. So we sort of will read the last few verses again. But if it's, you know, if he read the seventh aliyah and he got that, and he got that aliyah himself and took that bracha, then there's no need for a separate maftar aliyah. So that's that's sort of the guidance we've we've received. I think my parents uh, so told me cut. that that at their shul, they're, um everyone's just reading the haftarah to themselves to like have one fewer thing that's being like sung out loud. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I've been to shuls that have done that like as their where, where was I was standard that a, custom. Yeah, there there's some communities. I, that do I don't know. I was I was at a, I was I spent Shabbos years and years ago, like like twenty years ago, in in B'nai Brak at a, and a Shabbos morning was at a like a Hasidic. Stiebel court, whatever, and and they, I just remember that was the first. I think it was maybe the first time I had seen this, where just like there, there was a maftir, and he said the bracha, but then everyone read the haftarah like sort of quietly at their at our chairs, which is. I mean, it's better than people going to another room to drink. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, it is. <laughs> like of the activities that could happen after the first bracha of the haftarah and before the last bracha of the haftarah, I can think of worse things than everyone sitting there reading the haftarah. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah. And we're also, you know, we're also eliminating different Torah and sermons. And again, you know, these are things that not only they increase time, they also are 
like real, I, you know, I, I think. But I thought everyone came to Shul Shabbos morning for the sermon, no? I, we'll find out. We'll find out what they come from. <laughs> you know, I, I know I'm, I'm recording the Torah that are not, you know, each week fewer people watch them. So somehow, uh, uh-uh. I, I think we're getting, I think we're getting better, but I, I, what can I tell you? But um, I, I, I know for, my, for myself to, to certainly in, in the space of our shul to speak in a way that there's a chance that people in the back will be audible. The type of voice vocal projection I think is now considered uh like a you know a viral spreader right because you really you really um it's, it's a Not lot to of mention, to like go hear someone orate who's wearing a mask i think right. it's, it's right. kind of confusing almost yeah yeah it is it is so 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 there's some you know so jewel will look different uh, probably for a long time uh and i guess that's also something i'm sort of was thinking about you know and i i i, I which i struggle to articulate as you know because we, we've corresponded about this point i, I there, there was this 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 understanding of things are getting better in the world, and so as things get better, our tefillah will return more and more to normal. And that was like I don't know that was like my headspace for a long time. And so when do we get to stage three, and when do we get to stage four, and it's will it be July, will it be September, but whatever it is, there'll be a point where just there's like this on this sort of a very linear um, progression of things getting better, and and as things get better, our like ritual life returns closer to normal. And that doesn't seem to be how things are working, right? I think it's like two steps forward, one step back, two steps back, one step forward, probably depends on the part of the country and which month we're in. And and, and it's like, it's a very confusing mess. Um, and so I don't know that we're necessarily, I don't think we're, I, I wouldn't want to claim, I wouldn't want to predict that we're on this um, step-by-step march towards greater normalcy. I think instead what we're doing is trying to find like safe places in that gray area between open and shut <laughs> so that we can have a modicum of normal life and, and try to carve out like spaces and times and places where we can like do things that are meaningful for us in ways that are safe given this new reality, which is not going to go away um, in a simple step-by-step gradual way, but it's going to be a much more messy and probably long drawn out process. Right. So, so I, uh, that, that's why I see what we're doing now, this outdoor tefillah. And even when we go indoors, it'll be limited numbers and very spaced out and with masks and shortened tefillah, right? It's not about like a step towards back to normal. It's about um, like, this is something we can do right now in the midst of all of this uncertainty and disease. Like this, according to guidance, is safe in this way, we think. And so we're, we're going to do this thing that seems safe to us now, right? As we learn more about the disease and and, and figure out ways to to live with it instead of just like waiting for it to be over. So, yeah, that, that, that's my thought for the day. I don't know if you if that if that's compelling to you or if that that's that, that that's you know in the last few days that that seemed more and more um, like like what we're doing rather than marching in in a clear pace towards something that's that's obviously going to come in just a matter of time. Yeah, and I mean, what's scary is that you know I, I keep thinking back to Purim and like. It's still amazing to me that what we did on Purim wasn't a super spreader event. Like this idea that we were like, oh, um, we know how to keep safe. Like the people serving pizza will wear gloves. Like that's what will keep us safe. (laughs) It's like, like in retrospect, just like ludicrous, dangerous. What were we thinking? And, And how much we've learned since Purim about what this virus is, how it spreads, um, how to keep ourselves safe from it, and 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 with an understanding that in that same amount of time going forward, we might know even more. We might look back at what we're doing now and say, "Wow, we thought we were being so careful and we were going above and beyond, and 
and actually what we were doing was really dangerous and that that to me is like a very humbling um feeling of like we can't just hide under a rock because that doesn't work like we we can't hide under a rock forever we're in this for the long term and it's really dangerous to come out from under our rock and if we could possibly stay under the rock and some people really can like there's a type of person who can stay under a rock for a really long time like that's seems clear to me at least like that's the safest way to be um and 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 really like as we go about this business of like putting lives together in this world where it is not safe um I don't know there's just like a lot of humility and, and a lot of openness to like we're doing something now and it, and it really could be that we're going to look back on this and say this was a dangerous thing and we made a horrible mistake I, I really hope not i really hope that we're making decisions in such a way that we won't regret um doing things that were um subsequently reckless i i, I you know I, I but you don't look back on parham and say that was so reckless we were lucky parham was parham reckless i don't know reckless implies um it wasn't willful. It was ignore, yeah, ignoring knowledge that we had. We didn't have knowledge. We didn't, you know. So I don't, I don't think we had enough knowledge to. Like, I think we, we made a responsible choice given the knowledge that we had about the degree of spread of COVID at that time. So I don't think it's reckless. Um, I, I regret not shutting the show down sooner, right? I think we, you know, like that. That's, and I'm, and I'm grateful beyond words that it seems that nobody caught the disease on forum in our show, or you know, right, right, in our show yeah. at least, and you know, right. That's that's, yeah, but. Um, I don't know. I was having talked to the doctors and, and I don't know, I, I think everything we've, we're doing now, I, I feel a, a greater degree of confidence. Like, you, you know, even in there was a lot of, I feel more confident that what we're doing now is safe than I felt at Purim. I would say that. And if anything, I, you know, it, it, I look back and think, yeah, maybe we could have had outdoor tefillah, you know, three months ago, right? Maybe we could, maybe we never had to stop that. Maybe there's a way we could, but we didn't know. And, and there was an educational value. I think part of why we shut down shul is to um, demonstrate the seriousness of the disease, right? Like, obviously, you're not going to arrange a play date for your child because the shul shut down. Like, obviously, you're not going to have, you know, right? Uh, I don't know, like a a babysitter, you know, or whatever, or or mm-hmm. you know, come into your home and right. Obviously, you're not going to uh, be lax about some other, you know, thing connected to your work or whatever, you know, some other risky um, behavior because the shul shut down. I think it was like a demonstrate. It's a way to to demonstrate to the community the seriousness that which we hope everyone takes protecting each other's lives in this way. So I think that's a reason why it was good that we shut, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we could have been davening outdoors all along. I, I don't, I don't know. Right. And th- so that, that's, that's the uncertainty that I seems more. We could have been davening outdoors if we had known not to be singing. And if we had known, you know, like there's right. so much that we know now that we that's didn't, that's that true. we didn't know. You're right. You're right. That, that, that's true. That's true. But I, I guess what I feel is just that going forward, we have so, there's so much that we're going still to learn yeah. and that's yeah. very humbling to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, humbling and terrifying and and but and and we're gonna have to make mistakes and be honest about that and and yeah sort of and and respond shift as as we learn more absolutely yeah so so um it's a double portion this week it is like and they're they're like very full partiate with many many topics and and matters big and small and but um Let's hear a nice word. <laughs> what is, what is <laughs> so just something that was on my mind as, you know, as we've been returning to davening together, but in this kind of distanced, kind of awkward way is that um, when Bilam eventually does kind of say something, what he says, uh, he says a bracha, and it's, it's longer than, than what we normally think about it, but the part that gets the, quoted the most is, Yaakov, Yisrael. How goodly are your tents. 
Jacob, your dwellings, Israel, and the, the classic Midrash on what that means, what he's seeing and what he's responding to and what he's blessing the Israelite camp for is that their openings of the tents, no, no, no one's opening looked into anyone else's opening. So they were near each other, but they were also private. They were also covered. They were also socially distanced in appropriate <laughs> ways. Um, and this this verse, Matzah Yaakov, is um, it's a verse you say when you walk into Shul in the morning. That's like when you when you enter into the Beit Knesset. That's the scripted um, emotion that your hand was supposed to have when you walk into Shul in the morning and you say, "Oh my gosh, this gathering of the Jewish people with which I am starting my day. Like, how amazing is that? How good are your tents?" And so it's a, when we say that now on our way into we're having our first shachari um, on Shabbat. And so when we say that on Shabbat morning, as we enter the, you know, glorious ASBI parking lot at 9.15, I, th- I think it, it, there's like this interesting moment of, of, yes, like we're together and we're even more kind of private and in our own separate spaces than ever before. But what what is that a symbol of? For, for Bilam, that was a symbol of modesty and, um, and, and, and strong family life. And for us, that's a symbol of I care about you. I care about the health and safety of our community, and that's why I'm wearing a mask, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's you know, even though I'm like breathing in my own exhale, even though um, whatever um, really helps if you brush your teeth before putting on a mask. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But what I'm doing it for is for the well-being of our collective and of our like communal tents um, together. So uh, that's just like something I've been carrying with me. That's really, that's really powerful. That's really great. So, so I, 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 you know, thanks for sharing that idea and, and welcome back to the, uh, to the podcast. This is a, you know, um, a lot of bittersweet feelings, like a sort of a, a short time we have you back after your maternity leave before um, you move on to other to other ventures um, and, and take leave of, of the shul. But it's really great to have you back on the podcast. So you just just share a little, what's it like being a parent in this time of COVID? What's it like? Uh, what's a maternity leave like when, um, you know, everyone's on lockdown? How, how is, I mean, I guess you can't compare it to normal times, but. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, I, I don't know. I don't know any other, but. Um... Well, first of all, I want to say, like, this is a very, like, ASBI-themed, like, labor. Uh, people who are following along at home might have noticed that I was, like, running the ASBI Yom HaTzma'ut Zoom event, and then, like, the next morning had a baby. <laughs> so I didn't know at the time that I was in labor, but apparently I was, and apparently that's what labor feels like. Who knew? Um, <laughs> you just thought it was excitement for Hakamata Medina. And the- exactly. Exactly, exactly. That's what it is. I was just so thrilled <laughs> that the state of Israel exists that I went into labor. Um, and anyway, so that the night. Right? Mashiach and the uh, Hevle Leda. It's like, exactly. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, anyway, so, but that night I was admitted to Prentice, and, but you don't get admitted to Prentice. They keep you in triage until you get a COVID test. So, that was mm-hmm. like introduction to motherhood in a pandemic for those of you who have not had the privilege of having a covid test yet it feels like they're tickling your brain it's extremely uncomfortable but totally worth it if you need to get tested um but i know there's like a lot of thank god to everyone there's like a lot of pregnant uh, people in our community and pregnant listeners and um 
and I just want to say like they you know Ethan was with me the whole time and and it, you know it was it was really fine um and uh that that part was actually you know like the hospital actually felt like quite safe um and the part that's been hard is is afterwards like you have a bris that's like me Ethan our baby and Ruby Turkle tab and like a bunch of you know like our family on zoom and like that was it and that you know like we just envisioned sharing the moment with all of you and buying you a bagel and like I yeah, did you not- did share the moment with a lot of us uh, over that lovely uh, zoom zoom session but I, I do feel like I'm owed a bagel and uh, yeah but yeah. <laughs> well actually so so what you're referring to is that was the naming which was not the breast That's we right. felt like there was correct. an opportunity correct, correct. to um not have everyone like watch a surgery over zoom um and um and so we actually we we joked that we like held a simchat bat for our son um (laughs) which we kind of did right like that's the model of like have a public naming celebration without any surgery um and we are so grateful to be able to share that with everyone but again like it doesn't have the same energy of a room full of your you know friends and family and and you know yeah. so that was really tough and and really hard especially because what I, I always like knew it in my head but didn't know it like viscerally like as a person who's just pushed a baby out of their body like getting to events eight days later is like not trivial so to then do that twice <laughs> because we had the bris and then on sunday we had the naming um was uh you know a lot <laughs> and to not then have to get the energy from from actually seeing other people yeah. in real life was uh you know it was a little bit of a downer but yeah and then and then just the other pieces like you don't know, have people taking care of you. I mean, we felt so loved and supported by the community through meals but like in an ideal world someone would have been here to like fold our laundry, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that, that's actually hard because, like, I found a lot of, um, in this, like, new stage of my life, I found a lot of um, comfort in the idea that the Mishnah sees um, nursing as, like, a, a domestic labor, like, as, as work, um, mm-hmm. similar to, like, cooking and spinning thread and things like that. And, um, and what that means, then, is, like, you bring a child into your home and, like, your level of domestic labor, like, skyrockets. Um, and stuff you used to do that wasn't a big deal all of a sudden is like the tipping point so yeah I've been I've been reflecting a lot on on just like how much work there is and how much easier it might be if other people were around to do it yeah, for you yeah. but yeah yeah, I, yeah 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 I mean I think there's always a lot of work but but it's it's I mean I think I, I've you know been for, for all the people who've had to you know the good events and the sad events that you know like the births and the deaths and the weddings and the bar mitzvahs and all the various like life cycle events that we've like developed over centuries ways to share with each other and celebrate with each other and just support one another and to mourn with right with one another yeah. and all, all of these things that we've gotten so good at and and display such psychological insight in these um systems that that you know that are from sinai or and from minhag and that just have, have come together and these things that we know uh, and those aren't available to people, even though people are, you know, babies are still being born and people are still getting married and people still die, unfortunately. And we sort of have to um, make our way as best we can. I have such, you know, compassion for people in those situations, even in the best of circumstances, just trying to navigate these um, momentous events without the tools that our tradition has typically prepared for them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And well, yeah, like what we've been through is nothing compared to, to the people who suffer loss and, and not found the comfort 
um, in community that that you're kind of like owed in that moment. You know, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but your son seems to be um, not not aware of what he's missing out on. He seems to be doing well, thank God. And uh, thank God, looks like a cheerful little boy in all the pictures. So. <laughs> Those are the ones we show you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, they're very, they're very trainable. That's what I have to tell you about infants. They're very trainable. It just takes time. <laughs> so welcome back to Shul um, and welcome back to the podcast. I think we have at least one more podcast episode to record together in your official tenure as an employee of Anshay Shalom. And then we'll hopefully invite you back as a guest uh, in some future occasions, multiple future occasions uh, when we're able to schedule that. But uh it's really great uh, to talk to you again uh, for the podcast. I'm looking forward to our, you know, making the most of our final days uh, as colleagues within ASPI before we become broader colleagues serving uh, clients throughout more generally. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Straw Hat. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Haley Leventhal. Thank you to our listeners for having me back. I know I've been away for a while. Sorry, I just had a baby. Um, if you love what you hear, feel free to send us a note or an email or a voice note, or you can like write it out by hand and put it in the mail because the mail is still running. And if you did not like what you heard, then you can try and sign up as the 16th person to come to Minion and see how that goes for you. Just kidding. It won't go well. Um, anyways, hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening.